Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Turn to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 20. You look good today. What a great looking congregation. God bless every one of you. Would you let the praise team, the ministry, let them know how much you appreciate them? We just give them a hand. Pastor Billy, great job. Got a great, great, all did an outstanding job. Been doing this series on the end times when it's all said and done. Titled it when it's all said and done. I want to finish today. I, I could go on a little bit further, but I'm going to finish today. This will be the final, final sermon in this series. I'm going to talk about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 20, looking at verses 4 through 6. John the Revelator wrote, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. Look at this. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. You can be seated. Thank you so much. I know you've been standing a while. So Jesus came the first time to die for our sins. He will come the second time to snatch up the living saints and resurrect the righteous dead, that event we often call the rapture and the resurrection of the church. But he will come a third time to set up his kingdom on this earth. This is often referred to as the millennial reign of Christ. And it will commence at the end of of the tribulation. I'm going to take you through a lot of scriptures today. First of all, Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 30, tell us about the coming of Jesus. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, see that, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man, that's Jesus, coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. I want to take you to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Daniel said, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, that's Jesus, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, and they brought him near before him. And then to him was given dominion and glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Let me just spell it out for you, if you'll permit me to do that. Jesus will return at the end of the tribulation on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will be accompanied by all of his angels, the angelic host of heaven, 
and by us, the glorified, resurrected, raptured saints of the living God. At His return, the sun, the moon, and the stars will be darkened. And Jesus Christ, the light of the world, will light up the sky and light up the galaxy. The Bible says a sign will appear in heaven. It doesn't tell us what the sign will be. So we have no idea. Perhaps it will be a cross. We just don't know. But it will be something that all the world can see. And then the unbelieving people on the earth will mourn when they see Jesus coming. Why? Because their antichrist has been removed from power. Why? Because his armies have been totally and soundly defeated. Why? Because Satan has been cast into a bottomless pit. Why? Because after all that judgment has been passed on those people, now it's their turn. They know judgment is coming upon them and they'll cry and they'll wail. Jesus will descend from heaven and will descend into the city of Jerusalem. Zechariah chapter 14 verses 1 through 5 contains one of the clearest pictures in the Old Testament of the battle of Armageddon and Jesus' return. I want you to just follow this with me. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity. But the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. And then you shall flee through my mountain valley. For the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Look at this. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. Sounds just like Revelation, doesn't it? It's amazing. Hundreds of years before the book of Revelation was written, Zechariah was given this picture. Here's what we see. During the battle of Armageddon, half of the city of Jerusalem will fall captive to the armies of the Antichrist. Suddenly, Jesus Christ will appear and will destroy the Antichrist's army. When the only soldiers that are left are the ones in the city, he'll stand on the Mount of Olives. And when he does, the mountain will split in half, forming a valley. And the people of God will come out of the city and now have a way of escape. And then as they escape, Jesus will defeat the rest of the armies in that city, liberate the residents there, and then set up his throne in the holy city of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem will be the world capital of the reign of Jesus Christ. It's going to be something else when that day occurs. Immediately, the tribulation saints who were martyred for their faith will be resurrected from the dead. You'll see in, in Revelations where they're, they're in heaven. They don't, for whatever reason, they don't come back with us. 
They stay in heaven. But at this point, they're resurrected. And they come back to life. It'll be similar to the resurrection of the saints at the rapture. And they too will receive glorified bodies like our bodies. And when all this has taken place, the next event is what is often called the separation of the sheep and the goats. You read about this in Matthew chapter 25. When Jesus Christ returns, there will be three distinct groups of people on the earth. There will be us, the glorified saints, the, 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 those who made it through the rapture and the resurrection and the tribulation saints will be here. And then there will be saints, believers who made it through the tribulation, Jews and Gentiles, but did not die for their faith. And then there will, of course, be the unbelievers, the sinners who survived the judgment of the tribulation, who never repented of their sins, and who swore allegiance to the Antichrist. The Bible says that the angels of God will gather all of the elect, all of the those who are believers from around the world, this will probably be a supernatural occurrence, and bring them before the Lord, as well as all of those on the earth who are not saved. And they'll stand before God. They'll stand before Jesus. My reading of the Scriptures, my understanding, is that Jesus will be seated on a glorious throne. And by the way, the Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 1, the text that we read, that there will be other thrones. And any time... And it says judgment will be committed to them. Anytime other thrones are shown in the book of Revelation, it is always symbolic of the church, of the saints of the living God, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the people of God who had faith in Jesus Christ. And so I believe the church, the glorified saints, will stand with Jesus in the judgment of the people left on this earth. What will happen? Matthew 25 tells us that Jesus will separate the believers from the unbelievers as a shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats. And the believers of the tribulation will be judged to be righteous because of their faith in Jesus Christ. But they're standing in a court and evidence must be presented. And so the evidence presented that they are righteous, that they're right before God, is that They ministered to one another during the tribulation. Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was without clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you ministered to me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the people will say, well, when did we see you and do these things? He said, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then he'll say, to the unbelievers the same thing, except it will be reversed. I was sick, and you didn't minister to me. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you wouldn't give me anything to drink. I didn't have any clothes, and you wouldn't even give me a pair of shoes. And they say, Lord, when did we not do this to you? He said, when you didn't do it to the least of these, my brethren, you didn't do it to me. Now let me see if I can explain that. This is the best of my understanding. Because tribulation believers won't take the mark of the beast, they won't be able to buy or sell. They won't be able to go to a store and buy clothes. 
They won't be able to go to a grocery store and buy food. They won't be permitted, so they'll be hungry. They'll be thirsty. Their clothes will wear out. They can't buy any clothes. Because they don't have any money, they can't afford medical care. And so they'll get sick. And many of them will be persecuted for their faith, and they'll be thrown into prison. And so the people of God who have it will just minister to one another and say, well, I know you don't have any shoes, but I've got an extra pair of shoes. I'll give them to you. One saint will help another saint. And sometimes people in a neighborhood will go to the next door neighbor and say, I don't have anything to eat. Can you, can you give me just some food I can feed my children? And unbelievers will say, you don't have the mark. Why not? I'm not taking them up. Yeah, but why not? Because I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. You have? No, I'm not giving you any food. I'm not giving you any water. Get off my property. They'll be persecuted. People will deny them. They'll be, they'll be maligned. People will turn on them and tell the police so they can be thrown in prison. And what will happen next is amazing to me. Those who are judged unrighteous will experience the judgment, the full judgment of God. Verses 41 and 46 say this. Then he will say to those on the left hand, that's the unbelievers, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46 states, And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now this is something I don't know that I've ever preached before. I don't know that I've ever seen it until I studied for this message. But I'm going to preach it today. Now if I'm wrong, when I get to heaven, I'll apologize. I know that when the Lord comes back, He takes the devil and throws him into a bottomless pit. He takes the Antichrist and the false prophet. They don't even get a chance to die and go to hell. They are cast alive into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. There are two words in the Greek. There are actually three, but one is irrelevant. I'm not going to make reference to it, but there are three words for, the, for hell in the Bible, but we'll... One of them, Tartarus, we don't need to talk about that. But there are two other words that apply to us, Hades and Gehenna. Hades exists right now and is in use. When a sinner dies today, he goes to hell. He goes to Hades. It is the place where sinners are kept until the final judgment of God. It is a place of torment. We read about this with Lazarus, the story of Lazarus and the rich man. It's a place of torment and fire, and and it's not pleasant. There's nothing about it pleasant at all. Then there is Gehenna, which is the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. God made it as a place of judgment for the devil and his angels. People say, well, God, God sends people to hell? What kind of God is that? First of all, it's a righteous God. But second, God doesn't send you to hell any more than a criminal The judge sends you to jail. You send yourself to jail. Judge is just doing his job. But you broke the law. So people say, God, God's a loving God. He won't send anybody to hell. Well, yes and no. But you send yourself there when you break the laws of God and stay in rebellion against God. You send yourself there. What's he going to do, take you to heaven? 
You're a rebel. You don't love him. You don't care about him. He's not going to let you into heaven. There's only one other place. And so you go to a place that wasn't even made for you. And so it's it's the place where sinners stay for all eternity. And it's a lake that you, you burn and you never die. You're never consumed. Can you imagine the pain, the anguish? And here's what, if I'm understanding this right, the Lord does to the sinners on this earth who survived the judgments of God during the tribulation. You know, many of them will die because of the judgments that God will be pouring out, the seven seals, the seven bowls, the seven trumpets. But if you make it and you survive and you still won't repent, God, it seems my reading this scripture takes you and will take all the unbelievers in that moment and just like he did with the false prophet and with the Antichrist, he'll throw them all directly into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. That's a sobering thing to preach, isn't it? There's nothing to shout about, nothing to laugh about, nothing to get excited about. It should sober us. And it ought to make us want to live for God and reach everybody we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? My understanding is, the result is, there are no more sinners on this earth. There's just the glorified saints and then the living saints who have given their life to Jesus Christ. And the millennial reign of Christ will begin. Let me just talk about that. See if I can help us to see what that's all about. Jesus will establish a theocratic government that will span the globe. There will be a one world government. See, he'll replace Satan's demonic one world government under the Antichrist. God will replace that with Jesus' holy, righteous, one world government. It'll be night and day. And the saints that returned with Jesus and the tribulation saints that were martyred and resurrected will rule and reign with the Lord. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Isn't that a great promise to you? We shall reign with him. Revelation chapter 2, I think they have this, verses 26 and 27. This is a promise from Jesus. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Can I stop right here and say to, to my church, my church family, brothers and sisters, and those of you watching online, this is not the time to quit This is not the time to throw in the towel. This is not the time to backslide. This is not the time to fall back in love with this world. You have to endure. You have to persist. You have to persevere. You have to suffer long. You've got to put up with some people and put up with some stuff But if you will, and you go all the way to the end, you will experience the greatest things of your life you could only imagine. The greatest things of your life are not happening to you yet. This world will never provide them. And if you go looking, you will be disappointed. But we will rule and reign with Christ if we'll just hold on. And I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. 
as I also have received from my Father. In other words, the same authority, now again, we will be submissive to Jesus Christ as always, but that same authority that's given to Jesus is now delegated to us to rule the nations. So we will be appointed by Jesus to be the mayors of cities and the governors of states and the heads of states of nations. And I just put this in my notes, there will be no political corruption anymore. I'm so sick and tired of what I'm reading in the news in the United States of America that's coming out of Washington, D.C. I try not to politicize this pulpit. I'm a preacher of the gospel, but I have political views. I am incredibly conservative. If you haven't figured that out, you've missed the boat. But I am sick and tired of what I'm seeing when men get a little taste of power and money and they'll do anything to keep it. It'll corrupt people. I've seen it at the national level. It happens in South Carolina. It'll, it happens right here in Anderson, South Carolina on the municipal level. And I'm going to tell you something. I've even seen it happen in the church. But in the millennial reign of Christ, there will be no more political corruption. No nepotism. No good old boy system. There will be no immorality in office and no laws that legalize immorality. In the millennial reign of Christ, there will be no law that says it is permissible to have gay marriage. Because there won't be any gays. But it's more than that. There won't be a law. There will be no law that says abortion is legal. There, 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 will, there, will, there will be schools. Prayer will be back in schools around the world. They'll teach the Bible in every classroom around the world. Can you imagine what that's like? It'll be a different time. And our rule will be a dual role rule. We will be world leaders and spiritual leaders. Revelation 1, 5, and 6, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 1 Peter 3, 9 declares that we are a royal priesthood. There's no such a thing in the Old Testament. You were either royalty or you were a priest. You were anointed to be a king. You were anointed to be a priest. But not both. But in the millennial reign, we will be a royal priesthood. So the saints who survived the tribulation, they'll procreate. The earth will be repopulated. Imagine the growth of the earth in a thousand years' time. And so we will rule and reign those nations as they repopulate. And the next generation that is born, and the next generation that is born, and the next generation is born, it'll be imperative that we teach them the Word of God. We teach them the Gospel. That they get an opportunity to be saved and to give their life to Jesus Christ. That's what it'll be. And you know what's amazing to me? Is that there will be angels on earth. There will be glorified saints who cannot die on earth. It'll be a new 
ball game. It'll be something this world has never seen. And then you've got normal, natural people. And you know, if you're, if you're here and all of that takes place, that's going to be amazing to you. It's going to be like something off of Star Trek. It's, it's going to seem like science fiction, except it'll be reality. But think about the next generation of babies that are born. They, 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 they're children, and they're used to playing with angels. They're used to seeing glorified saints. They grow up, and that's the normal. And then the next generation, I'm fascinated by that because you would think if you're living in a world with angels and glorified saints and, and people who, who are perfected and it's like the Garden of Eden has been restored and it's paradise on earth, you would think that people would just want to live for Jesus. There's no devil to tempt you. There's no corrupt world system. It's just your flesh. Let me just tell you something while I'm teaching. I'll do a little preaching. If there was no devil and no corrupt world, you could still die in your sins and go to hell because of this stinking stuff right here. My worst enemy is me. Oh, y'all are holier than I. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Y'all all got it all together. I apologize. Maybe you should come preach. My worst fight is this stuff called flesh. My flesh gets me in trouble. Sometimes the devil just sits over in the corner and says, way to go, you did my job for me. So we have to lead each generation to the cross because otherwise if their flesh, flesh is going to push them towards sin. We've got to tell them the gospel so they can be saved. Things will be radically and wonderfully different in the millennial reign. I can't preach everything. It's one sermon, but I'm just going to give you the, the good stuff. All of it's good. There will be worldwide peace. No more wars. No more wars. I want to take you to the book of Micah, which is in the Old Testament, and show you something that's pretty amazing. Micah chapter 4. Hopefully you guys are taking notes with all this. I hope you will do that. Verses 2 and 3. Many nations. This is talking about the millennial reign of Christ. Many nations shall say, come, and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He shall teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. You won't need a soldier a sailor, an airman, or a marine anymore. There'll be one world filled with peace, ruled by Jesus Christ. Military equipment will be transformed into agricultural equipment. 
The military industry, which is a multi-billion dollar industry and probably has more control in Washington than you'll ever know, will stop making jet fighters and drones and tanks and make John Deere tractors and plows. It'll be awesome. Righteousness will prevail all over the earth. Sin will not be permitted and people will generally obey God. And sinners will still try to sin, but it will be difficult. And when caught, you'll feel the heat or the weight of a rod of iron. You will be immediately punished. You know, if we had that right now, I believe the the crime in this nation would be curbed 150%. People think twice about doing the wrong thing. Right now they think they can get away with it. Y'all see these videos of people up north going into major department stores and just taking stuff out, blatantly stealing and going out? And one woman tried to stop them and then she got fired. Are we living in bizarro world? But in the millennial reign, you try to sin, you, it, you, and you can't. You say, well, I, well, there'll be a black market, and there'll be a under. No, there won't, because God knows everything. You can't hide it. It'll be, it'll be awesome. You won't find an R-rated movie. You won't hear profanity on television shows. Oh, Lord. There won't be filthy music played on the radio. And I love y'all, y'all's country music, all y'all country feet, but there will be no more tears in your beer. No one can get addicted to alcohol or drugs. The comedy channel will actually be family friendly and clean. Every business deal will be on the up and up. No profanity. No prostitutes. No adultery. No fornication. No homosexuality. No transgenderism. No other sexual perversion. I'm about to get in trouble. Oh, my wife needs, Leah's gone. She needs to be here praying for me right now. Mm, I'm going to be careful. I'm 57. Use wisdom, Krista Starr. I went into a local store that I want to call so bad. And I walked down an aisle just to return something from Amazon. The only reason I was in there. And I looked over and saw a whole section of rainbow earrings right on the main aisle. And then Vera Wong had all of her pride stuff right where you check out. And I thought, my God in heaven, I can't even walk down an aisle or get in a checkout at this local store in the south in Anderson without having to have that junk thrown in my face when it is an offense to me, a child of the living God who does not believe in that. But I'll tell you this, 
in the millennial reign won't be any rainbow earrings or Vera Wang shirts hanging in the stores because righteousness will prevail. It'll prevail. Righteousness will prevail. You getting it? But I love people. I love people. I just want to make sure I know I love everybody. I just don't love sin. Don't ask me to love your sin. Don't ask me to approve your sin. Keep your sin away from my grandchildren. Don't push your sin on my grandchildren. And don't expect me to worship your sin. Because I only worship one person. And your sin ain't it. Okay, enough of that. I sound like Loran Livingston. I'm going to get in trouble. Oh, Lord. Number three. Y'all all right? The curse will be removed from planet Earth. When Adam sinned, the planet was placed under a curse. You read this in Genesis 3, 17 through 19. But that curse will be reversed. The ground will yield incredible amounts of harvest. Growing crops will be easy. Some of y'all got a brown thumb. I've kidded Leah for years. She has a brown thumb. But some of y'all have a green thumb. But everybody will have a green thumb in the millennial reign. The animal kingdom will be affected. Wild beasts will lose their ferocity and actually be tamed. Look at this verse in Isaiah. This is amazing. In Old Testament scripture, chapter 11, verses 6 through 9. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Wow. Wolves eat lambs. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. This is crazy. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Carnivores will become herbivores. Isn't that amazing? Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. You're going to let your kids play with snakes. Carl's over here waving because he's the only Pentecostal snake handler in this church. But he's a professional snake handler. He's not one of those snake handlers. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Everybody, including the animal kingdom, knows that Jesus is in control. My God, somebody ought to be shouting right now on that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's going to be awesome. Longevity will be restored. You know, you read the book of Genesis, how all these people live for hundreds of years. 700, 800, Methuselah was the oldest guy, 969 years old. Did I tell you all the story about when I went to visit a woman in the hospital at Praise Cathedral? I went to the hospital. She's in a nursing home. And when I, when I visited her, uh, there was a, she had a roommate next to her. She was, a, she was an African-American woman. And they're both elderly, 
And so I, I visited, prayed with this woman. As I walked by, the, the African-American one, the black woman, she said, can, she couldn't talk. She said, can I tell you something? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, do you know I'm the oldest colored woman in, in America? I thought I had really stumbled on something. I said, no, ma'am. I said, you are. She said, that's right. I said, can I ask you how old you are? She said, you can. I said, how old are you? She said, I'm older than Methuselah. And the lady from Praise Cathedral said, oh, never mind her. She's crazy. I said, ma'am, you have a good day. And I walked out the door. I thought I'd really found something. But, you know, I read this week, last week, there's somebody that's 111 years old. But in the millennial reign, that's nothing. Let me read to you Isaiah 65, verse 20. Longevity will be restored. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. People will live longer in the millennial reign. Every economy will prosper. People will be healthy and happy in the millennial reign. There won't be any inflation. Unemployment will be at zero because everybody will have a job. Everybody will have a house. Everybody's needs will be met. And you don't have to have socialism to do it. Jesus Christ can take care of all that for you. As a matter of fact, I believe for years, I don't preach a prosperity gospel. I don't believe in a prosperity gospel. But I believe this. If, you, if you're living in poverty and you're struggling and you get saved, salvation alone can pull you out of poverty. Because once you get saved, you realize I am somebody. God has designed me with a destiny and a purpose. I'm going to do something with my life. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to take advantage of the opportunities. I'm going to get an education. I can be somebody. Because, not because somebody in the government told me this, but because Jesus Christ has made me into who I am. I've seen it time and again. My father-in-law is a perfect example of this. Was in the worst case of poverty you can imagine. And when he got saved, God turned his life around. And he, he'll talk about, I own a house. I've got things I never would have imagined in my life when I was a kid in the, in the poverty that I was living. Living in the projects. We will experience incredible advancements in science and medical science and technology. Things we've only, we've only dreamed about. The arts will once again bring glory to God. There will be harmony and unity among all mankind, and it will be wonderful. Now I want to bring this message to a close. But the best part of all is that the glory and the presence of God Almighty will fill this earth. Hallelujah. There's, there is nowhere you can go that you don't run into God. He said, well, that's true right now. Yes, it is because he's omnipresent. But I'm taking it a step further because the Bible takes it a step further. His glorious presence. You can see his glory. His manifest presence. You can feel him everywhere you go. 
you'll feel. My God, I feel him right now. Woo, hallelujah. This Pentecostal is feeling Pentecostal right now. Everywhere you go, you'll feel his presence. You'll know he's there. I've been in some places where I didn't feel the presence of God. I've been in some places where I felt the presence of the devil. For some crazy reason, the church of God years ago had the General Assembly in New Orleans. And so Leah and I, we were young, and we said, hey, we're here. Let's go down to the French Quarter. We took a bus and got off and went down the French Quarter, and I saw things that scared me. I saw things on the side of the street that unnerved me. But worst of all, and Leah and I talked about it, I walked down through that French Quarter and I could feel in my spirit the strong demonic powers of hell. It was a stronghold in the United States of America. And we talked about it. I said I couldn't wait to get out of the French Quarter because I just felt the demonic powers of hell. But there will be no demonic powers of hell in the millennial reign. They'll just be the wonderful, sweet, glorious, just like you felt a little while ago when we were singing and you felt his presence. What if it didn't have to end when you got in your car and left? What if what, I feel the Holy Ghost preaching today. Is that all right? I feel the Spirit. What if what you're feeling right now never quit? So, Pastor, I don't know if I could stand it. That's why you got to have a glorified body. That's why I wrote a book, When the Natural Meets the Supernatural. Sometimes it's more than the natural can stand. But when you have a glorified body, you can stand it all. And say, Lord, just touch me every way you want to, 24 hours a day. Just walking and living in the presence of Almighty God. I want you to stand with me this morning. final remarks will be brief what I have just preached is not fiction and it's not a fairy tale now if you want to label it as such you go right ahead but one day you will be in for a rude awakening this is our future But to enjoy it all, then you have to be right with God now. You have to be ready for that moment when he comes for you. Whether that's death or whether you have the privilege to be alive when the rapture takes place. You've got to be right and you've got to be ready when he comes. So I ask you one final time in this series this final message of this series if Jesus Christ came right now for you would you be prepared to meet God so with every head bowed if every eye would be closed Father I pray that through your words and by your Holy Spirit that God you would deal with people who are in sin who are blinded to their condition and think they're really living when their future 
is not good. Open their eyes. Let them see that life with you now is worth it. Not because of the future, though that's part of it, but because of what we experience now. We were created to have fellowship with you. Made in the image of God so that we could walk with God and commune with God. Help them to see that their life is never going to be fulfilled until the God circle is filled with you. So I pray right now you'll convict and you'll save these final minutes of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Still with every head bowed and every eye closed. Last Sunday, five people raised their hand to be saved. I'm going to do it one more time. Pastor, not only do I need to be saved, but right now I want to be saved. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can if you have to wave it at me. God bless you. I see you there. Come on, anybody else, raise it up high where I can see it. Grab my attention. I'm looking. Yes, I see you right here in the front. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm honest, Pastor. I want to be saved. I need to be saved. I want to get right with God. Thank you. I see you, ma'am. You can put your hand up. Sir, yes, sir. I see you. Thank God for honest people. I appreciate honesty. See, I, when you're honest, people that make excuses and lie to themselves, you're hurting yourself. But when you just say, this is the reality, this is the way I am, yes, I see you in the back. Thank you. Anybody else? I appreciate this. Man, that, that's good. Good for you. Good for y'all. You, you have my full commendation. You have my respect. Yes, sir. God bless you. You can put your hands up. Thank you, sir. I'm going to do it one more time. We did growth track this morning, and I talked about this. I'm going to do it one more time. We're going to pray the sinner's prayer. To me, it is one of the easiest ways of conveyance for someone who doesn't know the Lord to get right with God. We, we help each other. And I want to ask this congregation to help. I'm going to lead us in this prayer. For those of you who raised your hands, say the prayer. Say the words, but say them to God. Have faith. Trust God that what you're asking Him to do He's going to do it because He is faithful and He is true and He is dependable and He's reliable. He will save you. If you'll just say, Lord, I can't do this, you've got to do it for me. You've got to do it for me, God. I'm a big man. I'm a big woman. I can do a lot of things, but this one's way beyond me, God. If I'm going to be saved, you've got to do it, God. Here's my life. Everybody pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, oh, I'm a sinner. I'm admitting what I am. You know what I am, but I'm admitting what I am. My life's not right. It's bad. I don't want to be this way anymore. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, paid the price for my redemption. I should die, but he died for me. He took the penalty, and I put my trust in what he did for me. So I ask you to forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be in charge. I repent of my sins. I turn my back on sin. From this day forward, by your grace, by your help, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you, God, all the days of my life. I confess that you are my Savior. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I confess that you are now my Lord. Sin is not in control. 
The devil is not in control. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what my sinful friends say. Come on, tell them, Jesus, you're in charge of my life. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm living for you, Jesus. I'm serving you, Jesus. Come on, say this, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And I know that I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Every head up, every eye open. Somebody, my God, somebody, something. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.